Tonight, lesson five. Uh, I love my church. I love his church. And I'm going to talk about stewardship tonight. Here's one of the reasons I love my church. Because this is a giving church. And this is a blessed church. This is a giving church. And this is a blessed church. And Brother Marshall, I have found that those two things link up together. Those who give are blessed. Those who give are blessed. Lord, we love you. We thank you for our time together. I pray you would anoint what I speak. I pray you'd help me share truths that are from your word. That you would work on the hearts and the minds of every believer tonight. Start with me. Speak to me. And help it, oh God, to also land in the, not just the ears, but the minds and the hearts of the believers in this house. In the mighty name of Jesus Christ. And let everyone say amen. Praise God. The, the scriptural principle we, divide, we define as stewardship is really applicable in every sphere of life. They have handouts. They're kind of moving around here. If you want a handout and you didn't get one, just raise your hand and, and, and they'll make sure that you've got one for scriptures and things like that. But it really is necessary in every sphere of life, the, the secular and the spiritual. How many know we got to have stewardship in our home? If you got, if you got kids... Let me give you a drill down. Anybody else in this room, your kids grab Oreos like 18 at a time? I looked over. We had to put, a, we had to put an Oreo ratio. I looked over, and my son, he's got these big old long hands anyway, and he, and, and he was carrying Oreos, a stack. Son, Oreos aren't cheap. I was teasing him. I was teasing him one time about something, and I, I made the mistake of saying, I'm, I'm kidding. I don't want to be cheap. I don't want to be cheap on you. About a week later, he did something like that. It wasn't with Oreos. It was probably with che Cheetos or something else. Who knows? And I said, why do you do that? To which he said, Dad, you said you weren't going to be cheap anymore. <laughs> Came back to bite me. No, but at home, in the church house, in the workplace, we have to be wise stewards in multiple areas. Got to be wise steward of my time. Got to be a wise steward. Sometimes we say stewardship and people only think of their finances and get very nervous. Whichever side the wallet's on, they kind of turn over onto that side. Don't worry. I'm not taking up any offerings tonight. Tried to tell you that last week. But stewardship is critical. How I spend my time matters. How I spend my finances matters. How I, how I treat those around me, how I treat my time, it, 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 really, it really does matter because we're all called to be stewards. 1 Peter chapter 4, verses 10 and 11. As every man hath received the gift, even so minister the same one, to another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. 
God has given each of you a gift from His great variety of spiritual gifts. We believe that, right? We believe that, okay? We're supposed to move these and do it with all the strength and the energy that God can supply. Everything that we do bringing glory to God. Mm. Through Jesus Christ, all glory and power. To who? To Him. Forever and ever. So that's the thing I want to talk about here as we get started. We are meant to be stewards of God's grace. Brother Massengale, I think that's a lot of what this series has been leading us through. I am meant to be, sometimes we say a conduit. I'm meant to be a steward of the grace of God. The Greek word used for stead in 1 Peter 4 there, or for steward, is the, the manager of a household. Root word, the house or the dwelling. A steward is someone who is responsible for something that is not their own. Something that belongs to another. Now that's where it gets hard to swallow. But it's mine. No, 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 no. God gave it to you. No, I worked for it. Well, God gave you the job. Well, I worked out. That's why I'm in this good a shape. Therefore, I can do whatever I want with my time. No, I know other people who have worked out and never touched a cigarette and still got lung cancer. God, God gives us everything, every blessing I've got is from God. It's a foundation and a fundamental truth. This is tough, but I'm going to talk to me and listen, and if you agree at all, give me at least a little amen. I don't really own anything. It all belongs to Him. Everything is His, and everyone is His. And I got news for you, even the people that don't think He's real, if He wanted to. His free will allows them to make a choice. But how many know that God could take control of anything, anytime? Everything and everyone is His. Psalms 24, 1 and 2. The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. The world and they that dwell therein. For He hath founded it upon the seas and established it upon the floods. He is the creator of all things. Therefore... It belongs to Him. What did Paul tell the church at Corinth? 1 Corinthians 6, 19 and 20. What? Know ye not? Your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, which ye have of God. Here it is. And ye, ye are not your own. Think about it. When God... When I digest that and I recognize, I have to remember. He goes on and writes, you're bought with a price. Therefore, glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. Now, you understand that many philosophies in the world, even when they believe in the Lord, separate those two. They believe the spirit is His, but the body is theirs. 
I'll do whatever I want. I'll wear whatever I want. I'll talk however. I'll go where the Spirit. Some people think you can do anything and then still go to heaven. You ever been to a funeral and wonder who they were talking about? (laughs) They must not have known them at all. It matters. It's the Lord's. We are stewards, managers of the grace of God. We've been entrusted with the responsibility to manage God's resources. This responsibility, it takes place within the household of faith. This concept, it speaks to the reality that we each have to God. But listen, not just to God, it's also to each other. Brother Nykirk, I I can't just have this. If I have it to God, then I also have it to you. If I have it this responsibility of grace to God that I'm linked up as we talked about His mission to others and I become a steward of that grace. We've been given gifts through that grace of God not for our own consumption. That's one of the, that's one of the words that crept into the church. Let me tell you a word that crept into the church, Brother Titus, that is huge in the business world and we allowed it, but the word is ambition. Ambition is a dirty word in the church. We tried to bring it in as a good word. But ambition is what what makes a person try to get themselves elevated. Being a steward of the grace of God makes you want to prefer someone else. It really does. It makes you want to let them shine. Here's a real test of whether or not you're a steward of God's grace. If they get the credit for something you did and you don't have to talk about it. You don't have to later tell them, well, it was actually me, but I just. That's right. We got to prefer our brethren, prefer our sisters, set one another up. How many believe we're meant to be a brother's keeper? Freely we've received, freely we must. We are, we're debtors. Let me say we're debtors in this sense, okay? I'm a debtor to God. I'm a debtor to those who invested in me. When I, was a, when I was a Bible college student at IBC, I'd go home on the weekends, and I loved talking to my Uncle Bill and my cousin Billy, his son. You know why? They gave great handshakes. Some of you are like, I don't know what you mean. They gave money handshakes. Oh, that's somebody, oh. Some of y'all are thinking, I'd like to meet them too. They gave money handshakes. You know, like the person who gets their car valeted and they can't just hand it, they got to give them a. And the valet's all excited until they pull it out later and it's a dollar. It's all folded up. But they'd give me these handshakes, these $20 handshakes. Every now and then I'd get a $100 handshake. If you haven't ever had a $100 handshake, Brother Coogan, that's a good handshake. Shook my hand. I was 18 years old and pull away. You know what $100 is? It's hot in your pocket. You could tell it was $100, just the way it felt in your, against your leg. Just, mm, it feels different. <laughs> Bible college, say amen. Yeah, you're debtors to those who have invested. How many know that you're only here because somebody invested in you? Young or old alike, we know we're here. What's happening with our 
with our kids' church? What happens with our youth groups? What's happening to young adults right now? People scattered all over this room where people just like us that worked all day long, now they've prepared and they come in and they're teaching and they'll spend time in private and side conversations, investing and mentoring and teaching. Why? Because we're building the church. Stewards of the grace of God. So we're debtor to those who have invested to us and listen, but we're also debtor to those that we are called to serve. Someone said, how are you doing it all? Someone asked me recently, said, you must be overwhelmed. I said, number one, I feel the prayers. I'm not overwhelmed. But number two, I know I'm called to do this. And we've got to feel that responsibility, debtors to those that we are called to serve. There is one primary requirement when it comes to our responsibility as a steward within the household of faith. Go to 1 Corinthians 4. Some of you have already worked ahead and read every scripture. 1 Corinthians 4, 1 and 2. Let let a man so account of us as the ministers of Christ and the stewards of the mysteries of God. Moreover, it is required in stewards that a man be found faithful. That's what I want to talk about for the next few minutes. A good steward is faithful. A good steward is faithful. They're consistent. They're constant. They're faithful. Anybody, anybody ever in here you were raised in a family where you went to church no matter what? It didn't matter. Fever, no fever. I'm talking pre-COVID. That was, that was PC. Okay. <laughs> you go to church. Anybody ever try to fake sickness to not go to school? Why are you nervous? You're like 56. Some of you are just... Like your mom's still going to whip you. I can remember faking trying to be sick. I could get out of school easier than I could church. Brother Ben, if I tried to act like I didn't want to go to church, maybe I knew the youth pastor wasn't there. Maybe I knew, uh, I, maybe I just didn't want to go. I could get out of going to school than I could easier than I could getting out of going to church. And you know how I feel right now? Thank God. Thank God my parents... Never let attendance become negligent. Because it ingrained something in me. You know what it taught me? Faithfulness. It taught me faithfulness to the house of God. Faithfulness to the people of God. Faithfulness to serve. It helped me to build some things. Here's part of what faithful stewards are. They're loyal. And we got a church full of folks just like this. Say, Say, Pastor, are you teaching us this? We need to do it. No, I'm, I'm bragging on the church a little bit right now, okay? But if you feel like you're, you're missing on any of these, these are what we should be representing. Devoted. Steadfast. Dedicated. Committed. Honest. A steward must be faithful. Other, other characteristics, yes, they're nice. Talent, skills. Ability, charisma, yeah, those things are great. But if I, if, I, if I have to choose which one I think God's more interested in, my ability or my loyalty, <laughs> how about my talent versus my devotion? How about my charisma versus my commitment? We don't ever lay those things side by side. But really, Brother Hunter, if we did it like one of those games where we were a kid and we put loyal, devoted, steadfast, dedicated, committed, honest, talent, and we said, which one does not belong? 
Everybody would recognize talent doesn't really belong in that. Do we like to use people that are talented? Absolutely. We're never going to start a program where we say we're looking for the worst singers in the church. We want to make a train wreck. I mean, we want it to sound so bad we lose viewers all over. It doesn't, that doesn't make sense. So we're good with talent. What if we said no more charisma? We're going to be as boring as we possibly can. We're going to change the way Pentecost looks. I'm not even going. Okay? But when it comes down between charisma or commitment, does it make sense? Amen. Faithful stewards. There is nothing more valuable in a steward than faithfulness. If you're taking notes, that's a good line to write down. There is nothing more valuable in a steward than faithfulness. They must be found faithful. What do we have to be faithful to? Well, we got to be faithful to God. If I'm faithful to God, i got to be faithful to the Word of God. If I'm faithful to the Word of God, I'm going to be faithful to spiritual authority. I'm not going to talk behind the ministry's back. I'm not going to, yeah. A youth pastor's not going to say something, and then I'm going to be chastised him and tell my kids, well, that's fine, whatever. You be respectful in person, but I don't even care if he tells you that. We don't live... Listen, if you have a disagreement with the Sunday school director, Brother Healy, I'll pick on you since you're sitting here. If you do something, you do something you're going to make a bad call. Is it okay? I'm going to make a bad call. You're going to make a bad call. Brother Barber's not here. He made a bad call. I'm sure we all have. But if I, me as a parent, since I've got kids in the Sunday school, if you or Sister Healy do something that bothers me, here's how I'm going to handle that. I'm going to have a comp- Number one, I'm going to give you the benefit of the doubt. Number two, I'm going to have a conversation with you. Because what I think I'm doing when I tell my kids, it's okay, baby, you're fine. Don't you worry about what mean Brother Healy said. You know how grouchy he can be. Don't. I'm teasing. But you understand what I'm doing? You know what I'm actually doing as a parent? I'm destroying my own authority as a parent because I'm telling them authority doesn't matter. I'm actually hurting my grandkids someday. Because you can win the moment and lose the lifetime. We need less parents being friends and more parents being parents. Amen. Amen. Got to be faithful in this way to our church. Be faithful. I know it's been a unique season. I I don't know. I think you're just like me. I love the the climb that we've been in with attendance. The number of people that we're seeing. The number of people coming out of COVID. You know, we used to say they're coming out of the woods. Now we're saying they're coming out of COVID. (laughs) So many people showing up, so many people being here, and we thank God for that, even new visitors. I had people telling me this week, they're like, I don't know any of these people. I know everybody. I don't know these people. Isn't it good to know that he knows every one of them? And they were sitting in their house or tuned into a podcast, and God was saying, come on, I have a little something for you. I'm drawing you. I'm, 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 I'm. My favorite conversation of the whole day was with a couple right before church, and they just a newer couple that just said, This is my church. Man, that makes my whole day. It's just the truth about it. We got to be faithful. If I'm faithful to my church, I've got to be faithful to my spouse if I'm married. Stewards are faithful. I've got to be faithful to my family. All right? Your family should get the best of you, not the rest of you. Okay. 
our secular employment. When I work, man, I'm, I'm meddling just a little bit. When I work, if I'm not supposed to be on Facebook during office hours, I didn't get any amen. I got one amen. Almost enough to keep going. <laughs> How about this? Faithful to our friends. Let's look at this point here. Three critical areas. Time, talent, and treasure. Touch these a little bit in this series. But I want to really get into them in stewardship here. There are three areas in particular importance when it comes to our responsibility as a steward. Time, talent, and treasure. You've heard it before. But if you show someone your calendar and your checkbook, they don't have to know you at all. Give them a little bit of time. They can tell you what you're passionate about. They can tell you what your priorities are. Because what you invest in reveals your priorities and your passion. Or hear it this way. The harvest reveals what you're hungry for. We cannot say we're hungry for corn if all we plant is wheat. And we cannot say we're hungry for unity if all we sow is division. We cannot say we're hungry for the blessings of God if all we sow is mediocrity. Again, I'm talking to me. But I think I'm talking to more than just me. The harvest reveals what I'm hungry for. Matthew 25, 14 through 31, or through 30 is the parable of the talents. How many remember this? The kingdom of heaven is illustrated by the fact that there is a master who has given talents to three different individuals varying in currency, the bags of silver, to three. There's a giving of five, and there's a giving of two, and there's a giving of one. How many remember, what's the person with five do? They doubled it. They got on the website, invested it in. I don't know how they invested it. But they invested it, and they turned that five into ten. The person with two, what'd they do? They doubled it. They turned that two into four. And that last one, he buries it. Because he's scared of losing the money. He's scared of losing the talent. The master's response in chapter 25, verse 23 when he's, when he's speaking to those who invested, his Lord said, Well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful over a few things. I'll make thee ruler over many. Enter thou into the joy of the Lord. But now look at the time given here, 26 to 30. To the one who did not, his Lord said, Thou wicked and slothful servant. Thou knewest I reap where I sowed not. And gather where I have not strong. You ought to just put it to the exchangers. And my money, I could have got it with a little bit of usury. I, I could have got a little bit of interest on it. Take therefore the talent from him. And give it unto him which has ten talents. For every one that hath, hath shall be given. And to him that hath abundance from him that hath not shall be taken away. Even that which he hath. And cast ye the unprofitable servant into outer darkness. Now we know that this was, a t this was a story, a parable about much more. But when you look at the cultural significance of the teaching at this time. Most of the significance here. The average disciple is said to have been somewhere around the age of 16. It's hard for us to really process that mentally. But when you talk about the day and the culture. And and families then, believe it or not, families of then were scared of banking just like we are today. Some people are nervous. I could tell you of people right now that are very nervous of anything government, any kind of banking, and they have money stashed all over. 
I keep trying to get invited over. This was most likely a family trait. Most likely, this is the way his family had done it. And this is what he had viewed. We don't invest, we bury. We never gain more, but we never lose what we have. Jesus was really allowing us to take a deeper look at an entire philosophy in regards to talent. And he was trying to teach us, do not hoard what you have been given. But invest what you... He will give us what He can trust us with. I believe that. I believe that if I live with an open hand, He can keep putting into it. If He gives it to me, I feel like I can sow it into the kingdom. I can sow it into other people. Whether that's, whether that's buying lunch for a homeless individual. Or whether that's investing into a youth person to go to a camp or to be a part of an event. Or maybe that is sowing into a global missionary. But investing it into the kingdom. C.S. Lewis in Mere Christianity wrote, Good and evil both increase at compound interest. That's why there's little, the little decisions that you make and I make every day are of such infinite importance. The smallest good in act, in act today can capture of a strategic point from which a few months later you may be able to go on to victories that you never dreamed of. An apparently trivial indulgence in lust or anger today is the loss of a ridge or a railway line in a bridgehead from which the enemy may launch an attack otherwise impossible. It matters what and how we invest. Everybody say amen. Let's look at Christ's analysis of profit and loss in Luke 9 there on your paper. He said unto them all, If a man will come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross and follow me. For whosoever shall save his life shall lose it. But whosoever will lose his life for my sake, the same shall save it. For what, what is a man profited if he gain the whole world? And lose himself. Uh, you know, here's something we got to remember, ladies and gentlemen. He looks at everything different. He looks at everything different. All of my life is an investment. I'll, let me allow me a little play on words here, and don't be discouraged by. It. But either way, you lose. The question is how you choose to lose. Spend an hour playing. Or an hour praying. It's still an hour that's gone. One was invested. One was buried. Mm -hmm. I believe you need to have hobbies. I believe you need to have outlets. But spend an hour in the garage tinkering with that old car that ain't ran for 10 years. And even though you're a master mechanic, it's still got a long way. Enjoy it. But at the end of that, it's an hour lost. That was real quiet. It's okay. I want you to feel better. I want you to have it. But I cannot sacrifice my pray time for my play time. Because one of them is an investment. One of them is not. The problem is if we're not careful, we think in terms of dollars and cents more than we do eternal value. You will sow into something, either faith or fear. Save your life, you lose it. Lose your life and save it. That's his, that's his analysis of it. One would have to willfully 
be willfully ignorant or blatantly dishonest to claim that God does not care about finances. How many know He cares about finances? Over 800 different mentions of money in Scripture, He cares about it. Over, over half of Jesus' parables are talking about money. Why? Because He knows we got a problem with it. <laughs> they did then, we do now. What did He get betrayed for? We talked about Samson Sunday for two services. Somebody said, how'd you stretch that into two messages? I said, I preach it over and over again. You shout like that, I may preach, preach Samson all month. Here's the deal. How'd Samson get given up money? Over and over and over and over. We have to guard. Can, can someone love God and mammon? What is the root of evil? Love of not money. The love of money. I got to be honest with you. I hope you're filthy rich. Because I want to get the gospel around the world. And I talk to missionaries every week that are barely making it. And so if you'll be rich enough to invest in the kingdom... I pray that blessing on you. But we're not praying God's blessing so that we can be financially secure in a world that's not going to last long. It's not about that. It's about investment in the kingdom of God. Praise God. Matthew 6 tells us not to lay up treasures on earth where moth and rust do corrupt and thieves break through and steal, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven. Right? Matthew chapter 6, we see these great established rules for the new kingdom. Three great pillars are kind of given to the Christian life and how the Christian life must be established. There must be giving, there must be praying, and there must be fasting. And I'm going to tell you, it's really good in your life when those things work together. Don't just give, pray about it. Don't just give, pray about it. But it is interesting in Matthew 6, the thing that took first priority was the giving. He did not say if you give, he said when you give. As a disciple of Jesus Christ, I've got to be a giver. Somebody wrote that the action word ver or the verb give is maybe the most important action word in the Bible. Because if you're a steward, you give of yourself to repentance. You give of yourself to time and worship. Ultimately, you give of finances. But isn't it amazing? Be honest, even those of us in here that have lived for God for decades, when we hear the word give, we immediately go to money more than anything else. Because we are sensitive when it comes to finances. We're sensitive. And rightly, rightly so. Here's my pledge to you as pastor when it comes to finances. I will be transparent with you. I'll be transparent with you in regards to letting you know I don't believe in spending money foolishly. I don't believe, and I don't, that's been the great case with Calvary. It's always been this way. But as a newer pastor, I want to let you know I believe that in the, in the different people that have been coming and talking to me about how do we update this and how do we do that and how do we go, what I don't want to do is put our church in a financial hardship. I want us to use wisdom on the when and the where and the how. We're not trying to have a beautiful church just so we can say we have a beautiful church. We've already got a beautiful church. Okay? We're trying to invest as people invest and give to you. We have one of the prettiest facilities in the world in our Christian school right over there on Keystone Avenue. And many people might not realize what a large or significant note that we still have on that building. 
Many people have come to me and we've talked about the finances that we're still paying towards that. When will we do this or when will we do that? And the truth is we're trying to be extremely financially wise. Fiscal responsibility. I applaud this board. I, I applaud Pastor Mooney. I, I applaud the leaders that have kept us on financial track to this place. But in regards to the millions that we still owe on that property, we've got to do everything with wisdom. How many... Listen... I don't have to ask whether or not you would, you would sow into this church if you knew there was a need because we see the giving every week. This is a giving church. You turn to your neighbor and tell them, we're a giving church. There's no issue there. But it's understanding the need. And so in the days and the weeks and the months to come as we begin to present needs and we talk to you, the beautiful thing is we'll probably put some thermometers. You're talking about a project we want to have done. Well, here's what it takes to get it done. And we'll kind of start giving to it and we'll watch that thermometer rise. Somebody said, how did we do that? Well, some money had been saved. How did we do that? Somebody came in and gave a check. I, was, I said, I want all this to go to. And we say, yes, sir. Why? Because it was given to the kingdom. It was given to the house of the Lord. When we give, every now and then the Lord's going to move on you to give to the building program. I think, it's, uh, I think it's important to do to that. I don't think you need to do that because pastor comes and sits down by you. What have you given lately to the building program? I'm going to tell you what I'm never going to do. I'm never going to do that. I think when the Lord impresses on your heart, then you sow. If the Lord impresses on your heart to give to missions, you give. There's one thing you don't need the Lord to talk to you about because he already did, and that's tithes. You got the scriptures there on your paper? Is it okay if I don't take a long time on that? And I'm, I'm new enough. I'm, I would break a cardinal sin if I went through and started teaching a bunch on tithes right now too. But, but the truth is, I'm not giving, hear, hear this, I'm not giving him my tithe. I'm returning it. I'm just returning it. I'm not paying. I was with this, I was with this uh, elder preacher one time, and, and one of the young men was talking about uh, collecting the tithes. Taking, that's the word he taking the tithes. Oh, he didn't like that. Not taking the tithes. They're returning tithes. And if they don't want to, they don't have to. Because you can really, listen, you can literally, you can speak blessing or cursing into your life. Read these scriptures that are on the end of that paper in your own time. Go home and read through those and look at that in regards to some tithing. And that's just, the, that's just scratching the surface. But it's not just tithing, then it's the free will offering. And that's where I'd like to spend just a moment before we conclude here. When it comes to offerings, I give because I'm blessed. Here's where I struggle personally. You don't have to be affected by this you just, you listen to me. I'm, I'm talking to me, Brother Turner. Maybe you and I will just have a conversation, okay, so that no one else thinks I'm looking at them, okay? So I'm looking at both Turners. I'm looking at, wow, this is great. I'm going to put one eye on both of you, okay? I struggle to think that I would, that I would give a waitress 15% or some little girl that fed me but the only way I think I justify that I don't ever give anything to the church or anything to God. Now listen, this doesn't, I'm not saying, this doesn't, we're a giving church. Hear me, I'm trying to teach a principle. I don't want anybody getting nervous. I don't look at the finance stuff like that. I don't look at who gives what. But I will tell you this. God knows. And God is concerned. How do I sow in and when do I give my offerings? Well, when God impresses something on your heart. 
we were going through here cleaning the other night and working around, and I started looking at the end of these pews. And I said, what is that little plaque? And I got down real close. And I recognize why this church has been blessed for so many years. People feeling impressed, Brother Romine feeling impressed, buying pews. That's not the kind of thing you can brag in town about. Man, look at your car. Nobody's talking about your pew. Man, look at your pew. Got me a 12-footer. Two-tone. Clean oak on the sides. Eh? Looks just like a thousand more. Nobody. You know why they invested in it? They were thinking about souls sitting in. They were thinking about souls. I don't want us to be the church that has to talk about the heydays. I want us to be a church that honors the heydays. But I want us to be a church in the middle of it. In the middle of revival. And I love my church because my church is a blessed church. But our church is a blessed church because our church is a giving church. We, we return our tithes to the Lord. We invest in the kingdom. We give to missions. We give to the building fund. We give, we give, we give, we give. You, if you would have just seen the ladies' memorial because of the precious giving in this church, do you see we're in the top five in the nation from Calvary Tabernacle giving to Mother? Brother Carson, why do we do that? That money doesn't even stay here. Listen, the economy of God, if you sow into the kingdom, it will come back to you. How do we give to a missionary? I'm never. How many in this room? Have never been to Africa. Raise your hands. You have never been to Africa. And that's the truth. But I bet a bunch of those hands that were just up, you have given to a missionary that represents Africa, and your dollars and your cents walked over there. I've been standing in soccer fields in the middle of Africa, riding in She's for Christ vehicles, and watch where we rode down and we set up. We could have never got there without that four-wheel drive SFC vehicle, and we pulled the stuff behind us, and we built the stage, and there we, we preached, and I preached into the darkness of the night. I'll never forget standing in Malawi, Africa, and preaching. Man, I felt so impressed to preach about baptism. I began yelling and preaching about baptism, and these people started coming out of the darknesses as far as you could see a line of them in the headlines in the headlights of that SFC vehicle and they were walking up onto it onto the trailer hooked up to an SFC vehicle and they were being baptized I felt hesitation when I first made the call I felt hesitation and I asked the uh, I asked the guy that was leading the crusade I said what is that I feel what is that hesitation and he said it's the one still trying to decide if they want to lie in wet clothes all night. There was no change of clothes. There was no baptismal rooms. They were all there for the conference. They had traveled, been brought in in the backs of trucks or walked for miles on end, and they were going to roll out. I later watched that night in the dirt. They rolled out these, these mats there in the cool night air in Malawi, Africa, and they, they got down on those cots, still wet, but baptized in his name. You sowed into that. Because when we sow into the kingdom of God, it's bigger than us, isn't it? It's bigger than us. Stand with me. I'm sorry I went over. Praise God. Would you throw your hands towards heaven with me right now? I, 
Such, a, such an important, such an important topic. I know it's sensitive, but it's so important. You college students up here, I want you to hear me. If you, you work a job, you need to tithe either to your home church. Don't tithe to here. Tithe to your home church or tithe to the college. You know the rule, the way that that works. But you, uh, you need to learn at a young age. You need to give in the offering when the Lord impresses on your heart. Has nothing to do with pastor. It had nothing to do with the previous ministry. That our salaries are set. They don't fluctuate. They're not based on the tithing that comes in and out. That's not. That's not how this works. Offerings, things that we want to do, advancements that we want to. This is one of the most giving churches in the world. Why? Why are you preaching this? Why are you teaching this, pastor? Because I want us to be blessed. I want us to know that part of being a church that's blessed is a church that's giving. And I want to applaud you tonight for still believing and giving to the kingdom. I want to applaud you tonight for still investing. For refusing to give your talent to the world. God, I pray a special blessing right now over the memories of Calvary Tabernacle, this core, this committed group here on a Wednesday night. I'm praying special blessing upon their home. Special blessing upon their finances. God, I know that you feel the tenor of my heart tonight. I know that you can judge the purity of what I'm talking about right now. And so before you, I ask you to bless them. You know I'm not asking them to give more money to the church. I'm asking them to give money to the kingdom. If they feel impressed for a missionary, if they feel impressed when they meet somebody on the road, if they feel impressed when they're walking through the school and God lays another family on their heart, whatever that is, when it's you that does the impressing, I'm just asking God, let us invest our talents to you. We give you our time. We give you our resources. Because we want the blessings of God. If you want the blessings of God, would you begin to just praise Him right now? Come on, would you begin to praise Him right now? Praise Him and love Him. Worship Him. We magnify Your name, Lord Jesus. We give You praise, Lord Jesus. Amen, amen. Praise God. I want to be... Let me say this. I want us to continue to be blessed. So if somebody asks you, why do you love your church? You can say, well, my church is God-built. Why, why do you love your church? My church is prayerful and it's spirit-filled. Really? Oh, yeah, I'll tell you why else I love my church. My church is on a mission. Yeah, but I got things in my body that I'm doing. Well, good news. My church is supernatural. Woo! Yeah, but is your church is your church really able to Oh yeah, we are. Cuz our church is giving and our church is blessed. Our church is blessed with great children's programs. Our church is blessed with great youth programs, great singles ministry. Great, 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 great. Cuz people give of their time. People give of their energy. People give of their finances. Give it to the Lord. Give it to the Lord. Because how many know that He's really the best gift giver? <laughs>